Hello, and welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by the co-founders of Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder treatment center in Seattle. The Appetite is all about bringing themes from our work with eating disorders to the greater community, topics around food, body, sport, relationships, and mental health. I'm Carter Umhau, a therapist at Opal, as well as an artist and a writer. Today, Opal's co-founder and clinical director, Lexi Geblin, and I are sitting down together to have a conversation about something called self-inquiry. Self-inquiry is a key concept within radically open dialectical behavioral therapy, or as you might hear us call it, RODBT or RO. RODBT is a therapeutic treatment modality that was created with over-controlled clients in mind. Whereas most treatment modalities assume that people need help regulating their emotions, RODBT is for those that already have emotional regulation on lockdown and actually might be experiencing emotional loneliness due to too much control and lack of vulnerable expression. Self-inquiry is a process that asks of its participants a willingness to come closer in toward themselves, to a place where they dare to trust that their emotions have something to teach them, and that actually their emotions might be something that winds up connecting them more to other people. Whether or not you identify as being over-controlled, my hope is that this conversation between Lexi and I will have something to offer you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, so it's been a while since we've talked about radically open dialectical behavioral therapy, and we're back today talking more specifically about self-inquiry. Lexi, can you give us a little bit of a primer on what self-inquiry is? Sure. Thank you. It is, um, <laughs> I think it might be my favorite radically open dialectical behavioral therapy skill. Mm. And it is one of the core skills in RO. And self-inquiry, broad strokes, is about assuming that emotions have a purpose, And all of our emotions are there for a reason. And so if we tune into our emotions and actually move towards them, we might learn a little something about who we are as people and who we are in the world. And it's it's a radical idea to a lot of folks because a lot of what we try to do as human beings is avoid difficult emotion, you know, find, figure out different ways to decrease depression, mm-hmm. decrease anxiety, decrease um, distress of, of all sorts. And self-inquiry doesn't have an agenda around reduction of any particular emotion. Self-inquiry is more about seeking growth rather than correcting any deficits or correcting a problem. Mm-hmm. So it's about moving towards your discomfort and dysregulation in order to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. So as a refresher for people that maybe haven't heard of this or haven't um, known too much about RODBT, that all feels really significant to kind of put into the context of the over-controlled temperament. Yeah, that, right. Uh, yeah, that a lot of therapies are built around the assumption that people need help regulating their emotions. Yeah. But actually plenty of people are doing fine, right? Yeah. And actually maybe need some more space in their life to explore and let some of that emotion out. Right. So over-controlled, the temperament of over-control, it's a lot of about controlling emotion. And when over-control gets out of control mm-hmm. and to, to the point where you're inhibiting emotion significantly, ex- inhibiting expression of emotion, but also 
avoiding your own emotions, your own emotional world and your own like kind of landscape of mm -hmm. your experience of the world. Kind of an interest in kind of flatlining, you know, mm -hmm. like just more of a wanting there to be um, or an interest in having more of a numb experience or just a flat experience mm -hmm. of life and not the ups and downs that most humans actually experience. Yeah, probably a lot of people are seeking some sort of stability to make sure that their life stays in place. Right. And predictability. Like I want, mm -hmm. you know, you're on the over-controlled side. It feels good to know maybe what you might be feeling later in the day or mm -hmm. have a sense of control over your experience. So if you're of that temperament, then you might not have a tendency to lean into your emotional experience as much mm -hmm. and therefore miss out on learning. Because here, you know, our, our emotions have so much to tell us. And so much, there's so much to learn from taking a look at them. Mm. And of course, the other, you know, it's, of course, it's so painful to move towards our difficult emotions. So this is, this is brave, brave work mm -hmm. to intentionally move towards difficulty mm. in order to learn. It's, it's, it's painful journey and the truth hurts, right? Yeah. It's something we say in RO is the truth hurts, but um, there's learning for us in the truth. Yeah. And I was just imagining that maybe a lot of people that have listened to our podcast before are getting used to maybe a, a good bit of vulnerability mm. and maybe are seeking that mm -hmm. and seeking some sort of learning. So can you tell us a little bit about like what what it is about self-inquiry in particular that that builds structure around that process? Yeah. Well, the, the vulnerability is definitely strong in self-inquiry in that you're making the assumption that there's something you don't quite yet understand about yourself mm -hmm. as you go into it. So that's a vulnerable position to be in where mm -hmm. you say, you know, I I don't know what I don't know. There's a lot for me to learn and I don't know where this might take me. Mm -hmm. So there's a vulnerability in letting go of assumptions and kind of going on a path of atypical questioning of of your ex emotional experience. So it's quite vulnerable, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we do in, in um, RO, we do uh, recommend short practices of self-inquiry, you know, more like three to five minutes of self-inquiry because we want it to be a, a place that you would want to return to. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of live in a self-inquiry mode, that's going to be a rough life. <laughs> So we often, you know, we'll say going into something, feeling it, letting yourself learn about it, and then and then moving on with your day or moving on with your experience and then maybe coming back to another self-inquiry at another time, but not not visiting the cemetery, not living there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that structure in itself, I think, helps to create some boundary around the amount of vulnerability or at, at, the least, at least the length of time you'll be experiencing <laughs> it in a self-inquiry process. Yeah. 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 I feel like that makes so much sense to me. And then I also, for me personally, I feel like I, I love... I love going and just digging and digging and digging. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that I wind up dysregulated very often. I would actually say that that's pretty rare. Mm -hmm. But it's like I'm just wanting to understand and wanting to to seek out more information. So part of me, when I've learned about self-inquiry before, I've been curious about the journaling process, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You've talked about having a self-inquiry journal, and I've mm -hmm. obviously talked about writing a good bit, too. But mm -hmm. I'd love for you to 
to share a little bit about how that works? Well, you sound like a great fit for self-inquiry, <laughs> as I already know, <laughs> um, because it is this, this, it's this inquiry process. It's questioning your experience and yeah. and then moving through once you come to some learning, mm-hmm. then you ask often ask another question and then you ask you learn something else and then that takes you somewhere else. So it's this it's a process of it's kind of a dare I say a lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> it can kind of feel like it's gonna be a, an approach to life or your at least yeah. your emotional experience of life. Yeah. So yeah, while the practices are short in RO, you can certainly do I mean, you can do longer ones. <laughs> and we certainly have done that where you just get going and stay in it for a while. But the the journal self inquiry journal, if you if you get interested in doing this, is you know I have a journal that I keep and I'll write down questions that I'm exploring, and then maybe I'll go back to those questions mm-hmm. later and notice how they link up with the new self inquiry that I'm doing, and then it just takes me through this kind of these this time and space. You know, I have a couple yeah. of years of questions now. Whoa, like a whole web uh, of understanding yourself. It's pretty wild. (laughs) Yeah. And then you'll notice all the themes and the... Interesting. Yeah, so it's not um, a three to five minute short, you know, it's it's a more of an ongoing mm-hmm. kind of experience, mm-hmm. potentially, right? Yeah. If you want it to be, if it feels like something that's right for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we talked about doing one live. So lay it down for us. Okay. What are we going to do? Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so just a couple things about self-inquiry. One is that in self-inquiry, we notice our resistance and then go down an atypical path of questioning in our experience. And um, we're suspicious of quick answers, mm-hmm. and we don't assume that there is a right or wrong answer. So it's it's about finding a good question that will point us towards the learning mm-hmm. rather than there being an answer. So you might be coming into a process of self-inquiry with a really intense emotion or mm-hmm. wondering about yourself and it's kind of asking you to go more deeply into the unknowing yeah. rather than actually figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it, it kind of opens like it devil's up advocate even here. For, further, right? Yeah. And that's been something that's hard for, you know, over-controlled temperament. You don't get a, you don't get a clear, you don't necessarily get a, a yes or no. It's just this, okay, this is where the learning might be. Mm. And yeah, so the the goal is self-discovery and learning and not in trying to change emotions. So mm-hmm. you're just kind of letting your emotional experience happen mm-hmm. and notice what happens as you go. Another way of thinking about it is seeking our shadow or the parts of self we might not wish to acknowledge mm-hmm. and a willingness to go where where you don't want to go. And it would be, I think a lot of times people think, I will do this, I will do this. <laughs> and they do a more of an intellectual process of self-inquiry. You know, just thinking through the ex- the emotional experience and and self inquiry is actually a, an experiential process. Mm. It's not just an intellectual understanding. It's the it's actually the process of the feeling of emotions and and thinking about the emotions. You're observing as your emotions. feelings. Yeah, not it's, as thoughts. Yeah, yeah, right. I was just thinking about that visually as like if someone's going to be intellectualizing their their emotional experience. They are kind of looking in at the feeling mm-hmm. as an observer and trying to move outward into like further layers, yeah. outer rings of understanding. Like, oh, where did that come from? Okay, where did that come from? What does that mean? Right. Rather than 
being on the outside and then like walking down into it a little mm-hmm. bit more. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. So that you're, you're more, when you're in self-inquiry, you're letting your emotions guide you. Mm. you know, certainly cognition's on board, but right. your emotions are kind of leading you rather mm-hmm. than there being a strong cognitive guide. And then when we do self-inquiry, so Carter and I are going to do an example of self-inquiry here. And Carter's going to move me through an experience of self-inquiry. And Carter's job um, is to not regulate my emotions, try to regulate my emotions or soothe me or validate me because Carter in self-inquiry is assuming that there's growth to be had in this for me. So she's interested in supporting my growth and therefore won't will do her best and try not to validate or soothe or pull me away from the dysregulation. And this is really hard. <laughs> I know that's so different from normal conversation. Right, right. Like, oh, Lexi, how are you doing? Horrible. <laughs> Tell me exactly what, you know, let's go more into it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Rather than no. It's definitely counterintuitive when you're, when you're in it and someone's in a lot of pain, you know, because they're, you know, if, if the person's going into their pain, and feeling the pain of not having it all sorted out. Mm. And if you, you know, as you'll care about the person as they're experiencing it, it's very hard to not come up with an answer or soothe yeah. or validate in some way. Yeah. So just just know as a listener that that is intentional, right? That Carter's, <laughs> Carter's um, taking this posture in the interest of my growth. Without the assumption that you need to be taken care of. Yeah, there you go, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So she's assuming I, I've got strength and, and I'm not fragile and I don't need to be moved away from difficult mm-hmm. emotions mm-hmm. that I can handle it. Your emotions aren't going to kill you. Nope. nope. And they've got something to tell me maybe. Yep. So okay. So that's what, and then there are some, some questions that are typical when we go through self-inquiry in pairs around regulation and what we, we use the term edge a lot, which is where the known is meeting meets the unknown, where, you know, you come up against something and you all of a sudden don't really understand it, you know, that you hit that edge of the unknown, look kind of over the over and see that you don't yet have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we'll talk about the edge a lot in self-inquiry. And then at the end, we the, the goal is, of course, learning. So then it's about trying to figure out what is the learning, which is hard in the midst of all of this to figure out what the next the next learning is or what the question would be that would take you back to the, the mm. learning. So that's the, sh- the short version of what we'll experience together here. Mm. Yeah. What a beautiful thing to step into, like a, a line of questioning of yourself without any awareness of what the answer is, and that sounds like maybe a simple statement of what we're talking about, but Mm -hmm. there's such a uh, giving over of control, Mm -hmm. even in doing it with another person. You know, obviously, if you're doing it in your journal, maybe that's a different experience too, but actually allowing other people to be in it with you and Mm -hmm. ask questions and draw you deeper in. Yeah. You're really handing over the Yeah, right. I do feel that. You probably wouldn't have gone there. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we should do okay. it. Okay. 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 So I'll start by just providing a little bit of context of um, what I will do some self-inquiry about here. And I this is something I just noticed happened to me. I noticed a lot of emotion last week um, about this, but and I just set it aside. And then um, 
here I am. So um, I was out on a bike ride last week and I went over this, I was riding my bike over this um, walking, small little walking bridge over by the Arboretum. Mm. And there was a sign that said bikes dismount. And I um, saw the sign, saw the small bridge, and then looked and saw that there weren't any, um, there was no foot traffic or any oncoming um, traffic. So I said, I'm not going to, I had no need to dismount when no one's around. And then I got to the end of, um, close to the end of, closer to the end of the bridge and a runner came around the corner and um, saw me and kind of slammed his hand against the bike's dismount side sign on the Mm -hmm. other side. And um, I, I quickly jumped down and walked um, and he yelled something at me and um, I, I, gosh, I was out on this really beautiful day, pleasant ride. And then all of a sudden I just found myself um, feeling a lot. I kind of got shaken out of my, Mm. my kind of peaceful afternoon and it felt like bigger than what was made sense for the situation. So it got me curious about what that was all about. So where do you find yourself feeling most dysregulated in the story? Um, I think the feeling, the feeling of, um, of that I had right after when he slammed the sign and the feeling I have is like I've done that. I did something really wrong. Mm. I've done something. I did something that it's, I did something wrong and I've done, it's my fault or, um, just like a self blame or, um, some, maybe it's, it feels like some along the lines of some shame. Like I did something that wasn't okay. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. Are you finding yourself feeling dysregulated as we talk about it? It's harder to access right now. Um, but I can feel, I can feel it. Yeah. I can feel if I put myself right on that bridge and kind of the, the, it was like a fear response and then a shame Mm -hmm. response. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where do you think your edge is in this? Um, my edge, the part that I, um, is the part that feels unknown to me is, um, like, like I didn't really do anything. That's not that, that's not bad. That's not that bad. <laughs> you know, as I think about it, it feels like, um, as I feel it, it feels like too big for the situation. So I feel curious about what, what would, you know, have me going to the place of shame. And, and also I, I get, I'm getting curious about where my anger was because that was a, his reaction to me on that was a pretty big reaction to my, you know, my riding my bike on the bridge. Mm. So I, I'm curious actually about why, where my, why I took the fall and rather, Hey, what, that was a, that was not kind of you mm. to be so, mm. you know, so I'm curious about that. As we're talking, do you find yourself getting moving closer toward your dysregulation, or are you getting further from it? Um, I was—I felt like I was getting 
further from it um, when I was talking about the shame, but when I when I, I find myself curious and like there's an unknown in me around why didn't I why isn't my first instinct to get angry back or mm. something like there's a and why do I just go to this really harsh more self blame mm. for incidents that's my initial reaction and so I'm feeling um, yeah that there's there's dysregulation for me about that about not getting angry too yeah yeah the the shame and then also your actual response yeah and then like the the whole like the rest of my ride I was kind of just it just sent me into a whole like I felt a lot about what happened and it took mm -hmm. me away from my experience mm -hmm. of that afternoon in the sun on my bike as so I feel like some emotion about that about how that took that that took me on another to another place mm -hmm. and away from my and my kind of pleasure of that experience mm -hmm. What do you think that this edge is trying to say to you? I think the edge is pointing me to anger, absence of anger, and kind of what, where is my anger? Where is my frustration? Where is my power? Mm. Like something about deflating in that mm -hmm. experience rather than holding my uh, my own power of of and and feeling going to like dark places of where why why um how could you do that that was not okay Lexi instead of this like it's okay or kind of a compassionate mm. response yeah so the edge i think is the emotions are feeling like like kind of i'm getting curious about the absence of anger and the absence of like a softer gentler compassionate voice mm -hmm. and does that feel like kind of a self-inquiry question for you to take with you it does I think there's something about how how can I how can I find there's kind of two I think maybe something how can I what's what's going on in my relationship with anger um something about that um and then something also, it's a question about um, where's where's my compassionate voice? Like, where's why do I go? Hmm. How is it that I go right to more of a self-deprecation, hmm. my first instinct? And what's my relationship to compassion? Something about that. It feels like hmm. there's a lot of learning for me in both of those. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Those sound like good questions. Yeah. Okay, so I'm having a hard time ending because I want to keep asking questions, but I know it's only supposed to be a couple yeah. minutes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, so that's self-inquiry. Yeah, we just did self-inquiry. <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay, you're feeling a lot. I just learned a lot about you. And yeah, it's so weird being on the other side, not asking more or know, fixing right? or wondering yeah yeah well how, how was that how was it i i had i felt um like all of those emotions felt really true and i did feel like kind of i, I did feel led by my emotions but i i was it was almost like i was trying to feel <laughs> i was trying to connect to my dysregulation yeah that i know is there about it but it was i was having a harder time connecting to it and i don't know what that was about 
It could be the mic in front of you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just being real, right? Yeah. Good point. Good point. (laughs) Yeah. Offering some compassion. The stage of of self-inquiry. But I did feel enough, I think, to get some learning from it. It now makes sense to me more why I was, you know, feeling the way I was feeling and also what what those emotions were, were trying to tell me. Yeah. I noticed that in your final questions for yourself, there wasn't a why. Mm-hmm. It wasn't why am I not angry or why wasn't I more compassionate. Yeah. I think you used the word where instead, like mm-hmm. where is my anger? Mm-hmm. What's my relationship to compassion? And those feel like such so much more inviting yeah. questions than the why. Right. The why questions of where is this? rather than why isn't it here, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I I don't know. I find myself also feeling like I'm more in a place of compassion with you mm-hmm. around those questions and not in an intellectual place because of the power of just more of an open-handed question. Yeah. Yeah. So it really speaks to what you were saying initially about, about self-inquiry not being about an answer. Yeah. I think that it kind of serves as an example, too, of just – maybe places where we don't need to figure ourselves out but can maybe just wonder yeah, (laughs) and offer ourselves compassion or curiosity instead. Right. And that's, um, I think I started to use a why question in there and I, I, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Corrected a little bit. Yeah, because the why questions tend to lead us to a kind of a yes or more of a definite yeah. stance and yeah like you're saying it kind of creates more of an open-handed mm. wondering versus a search for a mm-hmm. clear answer mm-hmm. so what was your experience like carter well like i said it it definitely was hard not to add more <laughs> i'm like you know sometimes uh, i want to turn my therapist brain off and i'm like what kind of questions would i be asking if i were a therapist or anyway it's hard to turn that off but in that it's like, oh, I want to know more about this or I'm, you know, how are you doing in this moment? I want to kind of check in or I want to hear more about a specific thing or or pose a probable insight or, mm. or answer with you. Right. <laughs> like that's not the point. Right. It's not the point, especially as a facilitator of your questioning by asking the questions. It feels more like I get to bear witness to something. Mm-hmm. And yet, I have the active role of asking questions. Okay, it feels a little bit tempting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a, more of a walking alongside, even though you might have yeah. all these questions and yeah, have a. It's yeah. I I know when I listen to self in people doing self inquiry, I want to understand the roots of it. Like where where yeah. did this? How is this connecting up with previous experiences? That's the one question that I often like have a hard time not. Yeah. Wanting to kind of have it more of an insight, mm-hmm. like deeper insight kind of approach versus just letting those emotions be there and see where they're, what they might be saying about the here and now, which may or may not be related to right. our past. Right. Yeah. That actually reminds me somewhat randomly of this idea called uh, authentic movement. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of that before? Mm-hmm. It it is actually like a dance movement therapy modality that Carl Jung created. Oh, cool. And the idea is that you're in pairs and one person goes off and just moves. 
moves authentically, free form. And the second person is meant to just sit back maybe on the outskirt of the room Mm -hmm. and just bear witness to the other person. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Really amazing. And you're supposed to, as a witness, just offer attention Mm -hmm. and offer non-judgmental acceptance of whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. And then you come back to your pair afterward and there are no questions that are really meant to be asked except for, I noticed this, you know, what was happening. More observations. Yeah, observations, yeah. no interpretation. Right. And I, I think I found myself feeling a little bit like that with the self-inquiry process of you kind of going off and moving and dancing around in your own thoughts and mm. just bearing witness to that instead. Yeah, that's a beautiful way yeah. to think. It sounds very similar in yeah. that. And that um, you're letting it, the person kind of just be in mm-hmm. their experience and serving as more of an uh, observer. Right. And I think a lot of times the questions that we ask, there's an agenda right. often in our questions as as therapists or, you know, just in life. And that, that sometimes can get in the way of the person's, you know, authentic mm-hmm. experience, right? There might be, there's often suggestions assumptions that are being made within questions yeah so i love the idea of just letting it letting it play out which but it's hard as an observer it is if you're seeing someone go through you know through the muck of some pain and just Mm -hmm. and just letting it letting them be in that yeah it really shifts the paradigm around what we're supposed to do with our emotions Mm -hmm. i mean like we were just talking about at the beginning that this isn't about fixing something it's instead assuming that there's something to learn yeah and i think oftentimes we immediately go oh learning knowledge let me intellectualize that let me figure that out then rather than learning through experience learning through something that's even a little bit more nonverbal. even though this is a verbal process you're allowing yourself to enter into more and more of an emotionally dysregulated space Mm -hmm. so you're kind of getting into a territory that's not about knowledge anymore it's mm-hmm. just about okay what was my experience what's what's there yeah what is this what is this and it brings you closer in for the sake of being closer in yeah <laughs> like yeah. that's it yeah right it's like it's having a emotional experience of your cognitions almost like mm-hmm. you're just letting yourself feel and back and forth yeah. and you get closer into the learning yeah yeah i think that i um it feels really powerful to be talking about this in this way because I think that there's something familiar in some of the stuff that I've been thinking through and sorting through in my own life lately around bringing my emotions to people without controlling them. Mm. I think that I tend to intellectualize myself and my thoughts and what's happening and trying to anticipate what other people are feeling and then reacting and responding to that. That's mm-hmm. all made up. And maybe I'm right, but also what does that do in terms of me getting close or me being known, right? right, right. So there's something I think that's really resonating with me as we're talking about Mm -hmm. self-inquiry in particular because it's – the point is not that you, like, fix yourself or that you, like, sort it all out in life. In life, the point, I think, would be more to get close to yourself or to others. Mm -hmm. Get close to yourself and others. And a lot of times we have to get – we – Getting close to ourselves um, allows us to get closer to others. Right, exactly. And getting closer to others helps us to get closer to ourselves. Right, right. and we don't have to, like, know everything yeah. first right. before we get close. Right, that the, the vulnerability is in 
not pre-planning and mm-hmm. man- impression management zone, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm, well, I'm going to out myself about some thoughts or feelings I'm having about my self-inquiry. Yes, please. <laughs> Which is, it will, will take me down another self-inquiry path if I, if I do some self-inquiry later this week. But I'm having thoughts of like, or feel, and feelings of like, I didn't do it. I did. It wasn't quite right. Oh, I have like a critical mm-hmm. thought and voice in my and emotion around ah that wasn't quite the way I mm-hmm. I wanted or I didn't go I couldn't it was harder for me to access the emotion so I'm having this whole voice come up around it so it's in this is a this is a moment of um, what happens in self inquiry when you when you start doing self inquiry more self-inquiry comes because you just yeah. you notice that your reaction to that self-inquiry brings emotion <laughs> yeah and then along you go away you go mm-hmm. all the way down to wherever your emotions take you mm. in, the, in your life so mm. it's just interesting that here i am having a whole nother experience of potential self-dysregulation yeah. around it yeah and just letting that be I know. I want to offer you your own questions from your first <laughs> self-inquiry as a response. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Compassion. Where's your anger Where's around your, anger? your response? Yeah. Right. To not being compassionate as well. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This has been The Appetite. Thanks so much for joining us. And thanks to Jack Straw Cultural Center for Sound Engineering, to Aaron Davidson for The Appetite's original music, and to Sarah Taylor for production assistance and editing. Stay in touch with what's new on The Appetite by subscribing to the podcast on your preferred podcast app. If you have the time, we'd also so appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast. This can make it so much easier for others to find it in the future, and we also just love to hear how it's going for you. If you have any questions or just want to connect, email us at theappetite at opalfoodandbody.com. To learn more about Opal or to connect with Opal specifically, you can find us at www.opalfoodandbody.com or you can follow us on both Facebook and Twitter. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon.